This is the Dog Psychology Podcast with Lynn Bokey, Todd Langston, and Art Ortiz. Like do you think it affects you? Like, do you think if if dogs smell alcohol on you? Like, one of the cool things about watching that dude, Sean Ellis, that wolf guy, I remember him talking about that. Like, he had to change his diet because he smelled like shit from eating the Amer- like a normal American diet cheeseburger thing. What do you think alcohol does? Or weed? Do you think the dogs? I, I don't think dogs care about weed, but I do think they care about alcohol. I don't know if they care about alcohol. I have, I have a beer, you know, pretty much every night. They, I don't think they care about it. No, I'm just saying the generalized it. smell being a repulsive they, smell. The weed is when they really get more more into, oh, he's going to shift. Okay, yeah. take a bite of daddy, right? Uh, but uh, I don't know that alcohol, if it does, it's the sugar probably. Um, Why did, I mean, it's got to change some of the hormones in our body. You know how we feel, right? Things Certainly. like that. So that's probably what they're what they're picking up on. Also, I mean, I've had uh, some people talk about, you know, the the dogs get weird because I, I would just imagine I've had to ask the question. You know, does your husband or partner get abusive when they're drinking? Because you know it kind of comes up in the you know the dog changes. It's like, well, yeah, what happens? What does the partner do? You know, they get violent or aggressive to give the dog a reason to connect those two things. And they don't even have to be violent. They you just your tone and your sentence structure format or way the way you speak is more uh, either or really emphatic, you know. But but you don't necessarily need to be aggressive to freak the dogs out. Just that that way of speaking, you know. When you come in, you're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And you're like, "Hey." <laughs> Have you guys seen dogs eat weed? Like actually consume weed itself? I think it's uh, toxic. I, I, from what I well, understand, this is where I think this this conversation needs to be had, and this needs to be done. This is like needs to be tested legit. So I've watched it twice, and one time I didn't know, and the second time I kind of knew. And the first time it was one of my dogs, and I thought it was dying because I didn't know what had happened. And they get he he walks in and he just starts like kind of like swaying the eyes. Hercules the Chihuahua. So I start closing and I'm like, what the hell? I'm in the bathroom. I, I snatch him up and rush into the vet. And he's kind of like doing this weird little snappy thing. And I run in and I, I'm like, I have no idea. I go, it's like, I'm losing him. And so we go right in the back, throw him on the table. And the vet and I are talking and I'm telling him, look, it's like sudden onset. This just came on. We haven't done any flea medicine or anything like this. I'm like, I searched for bites on him. I didn't know if he got bit by something. And then for whatever reason, I just stopped in the middle of this. And I go, wait a second. I go, could it be weed? And the vet grabs a book and he pulls it down and he starts going. He re- stops and he reads something. And he goes, yes. He's Spanish. He goes, yes. <laughs> and because it was the toxic part, there was this little, this flinch that they'll do. And that was the part that was really weird that made me think that there was some type of like poisoning or something. And so they, they uh, made him throw up and a little piece came out. Now, yeah, I've heard the same thing, Lynn, that it's toxic, but I, I saw another dog eat it. And for eight or 10 hours, this dog was just rela- like different level, relaxed, just kind of sleepy. And to me, if it was done right, it, it would be the answer to some of these dogs that can't go to the vet. Because it, it is so instantaneous. They're fucking high as shit, dude. Like different level kind of thing but i've heard a lot of things are toxic that yeah, but, uh, well i will say todd that uh 
Um, we've already shared that story, so it's, but it's good to hear it again. I want it, I love that story. That's why I let you continue on. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if um, maybe you had some weed before you got on the show or something. But oh. I I want to piggyback on that, Todd, because I've always had I've always wondered of because uh, my my vet will use um, for for cancer will use mushrooms, but I wonder if there's been any studies on using psilocybin with some dogs that have gone through some some sort of traumatic event you sent me that study on on the psychedelics that had been done on animals yeah and now a lot of the vets are like fear free and i don't think that's a bad thing i think they they need to be more inclined to like completely knock these dogs out at the vet you know but i'd be interesting to see if mushrooms could if like if it would i i don't know if it would because I, I think mushrooms are diving too much into the difference of conscious unconscious you know what I mean, and and I don't mm. think they're that's an animal doesn't doesn't uh, live or have those those two separations in their mind. I I wouldn't believe. Well, yeah. I mean the the theory the what's it called the high ape theory or yeah. or you know, that trims and turn to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine dogs running the world. Uh, well, yeah, they kind of do like Biden's dog. How about that one? Kind of runs the world. Uh, yeah. Mm. There was true. something else I was. Anyways, I was gonna think of something else. I totally space. It's the weed. The idea that the weed is toxic just because a couple of dogs ate it doesn't mean it's not toxic. Like uh, you know, cocaine gives you heart attacks, but not everybody. Smoking gives you cancer, but not right away. Uh, I didn't know grapes were bad for dogs, and I I had heard now that uh, if they have just one, it could kill them right then. I used to give my dog grapes all the time. Now she didn't eat them like I did. She would take it and she'd roll on it because she really liked to roll on it. And then she would take it and roll it over her teeth and have that burst in her mouth. She got maybe two every time I have a grape, which wasn't that often. But now I, I, I see that one grape can kill them. And then ultimately, Bubs did die of something really bad with her lungs, you know. So maybe I caused it, the grapes. So that's all I'm saying is I, I heard it was toxic, the weed eating it raw, eating it uh, like a flower. Sure. I've heard the same, something with the kidneys. It does, it does something in that way. But so many, there's so much uh, wives' tale stuff. I mean, think about it. A, a vet commonly suggests Hill Science Diet or Purina Pro Plan over an all-natural, prepared, cooked, raw diet. It's constant. So this is where I run into trouble is I, I have a really hard time trusting even what's what would be considered common knowledge when it comes to food and dogs, because there's so much that we poke holes in every day. Yeah. And, and, right. So that's where it's like, we need to go a little bit more into, instead of just trusting these things to be true, finding a way to, to study it or, or well, be more, study it, but we can't believe all the studies. What can we do? Who's going to, whose study is better than whose study? You know what I mean? Well, I, how about like that dude out in um, the guy in in Southern California, uh, Anthony, right? That's, I think I turned you on. So I think he even made product for Brad, like somebody like that. That would be the person that we would turn to. Oh, he, I did a webinar with him actually. He's not he's not in California anymore. He's like Minnesota or Ohio now. Oh no kidding. Uh, yeah, but he's I, I I did a whole like hour webinar with him. I'll I'll send it to you. It's pretty good. Okay. So uh, oh. Lynn, this is a guy that I met. And he lived in Laguna, and he owned an alchemy alchemy store. Mostly did oils for cancer patients and stuff. And somehow somebody turned me on to him. He had stuff for dogs, and it had flowers. So you were doing indica, 
sativa and CBD treatments, like depending on what the dog's issue was. Like you could literally get these dogs to go loopy with an indica because they would be really kind of like sedated. And then he would, he, have, he would give you the regimen. He would say, you know, use the sativa at this time, use the indica at this time, use the CBD for these reasons. It was, it was cool to have somebody like that that had that knowledge. Yeah, he has like a loading phase, you know, to kind of get them get in the body, get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a, I've sent him to some, I had a, a client of mine who had, their dog had cancer. Uh, so I sent my client over to him and that dog was supposed to die like in three months. Dog ended up living another year and a half because they put him on a protocol of CBD with indica and um, just a bunch of different hybrid stuff they, they put him on. Mr. Pickles has cancer right now. So he's also got a heart condition. And they're saying it's to the, the, the grain-free food, they believe, is caused it. So he's got an enlarged heart. So, so I disagree with that, by the way, because what that study shows, it's, it's a plant-based pr- protein when they're talking about proteins, right? Okay. So the stuff that they tested was uh, when they grain-free with a, with a plant-based protein, like pea protein and things like that. Um, so, you know, it, it's not, you know, they're saying it's grain-free, Right, but it's it, they're getting, they're driving their protein from from plant protein. Well, I mean, they, I'm a I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer in, in eating protein from meat. Like that is I, I you know I'm I'm animal based. That's how I eat. I get my so carbs from fruit. Are you saying that the ones that were derived from that are the ones they're saying? Yeah. So what they did is they tested food that was grain free, but was they derived um, the 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 proteins that they were getting was plant based as opposed to meat-based, or, or it was a mixture of meat and plant-based protein. What food yeah. is putting plant-based protein in it? What I don't just, yeah. But it's cheap, dude. It's a bunch of filler. Yeah. Yep, so I mean, the, the way to get protein levels up to charge more is all kinds of little shit. Um, that was like a big food recall years and years ago was that, was because they were using an artificial like protein, uh, it's called, mel- was it melamine or something like that? and. It was doing all kinds of shit. So we're, we switched to, we're making it now. It's kind of a pain in the ass. I bought, went and bought a freezer today. But you know what? It's weird is how much better I feel setting down a bowl of food I made versus like a bowl of like just dried bits. It's a, it feels happy. Dogs love it. They look good. Yep. They amazing. About a year ago, I bought a whole cow. I think I told you about this. I bought a whole cow um, and got it processed, a grass-fed cow. From, a, from went to a farm, selected my cow, and they processed the whole thing. It wasn't, it wasn't cheap, but it, it, it just lasted me for uh, almost you know nine months or so. You so know? you go and you just they cut it all up, they they package it up, and you just yeah. Bring it. And the ground beef has all the it's mixed in with uh, all the organs, so I get the liver. Which even though I I can do liver raw, I don't have a problem with that. Now, did they, you do this for your dogs or for you? For me, <laughs> I did this for me. Nice. And I've been eating completely animal-based uh, since the beginning of the year and hasn't, I mean, I've cheated every so often just because, you know, yeah. I, I could, you know, but uh, I feel great. I mean, I drink raw milk. I go get my raw milk from a farmer. Uh, I eat nothing but fruit, uh, plus my carbs, and just eat steak for breakfast and for dinner. Sometimes they have three steaks. Just depends mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, or ground beef patty. Uh, I have my liver every single day. It's my multivitamin. Try to mix in different organs. I get uh, heart and soil supplements, which is like you know they have different you know organs and stuff like that. So you know I just try, that's how I eat. And I and here's the thing. I think for, for you know we're talking about like when it comes to dogs. I mean even if you get like these 
these high quality like um, kibble, you know, they, they, there's nothing in there that, sh that says that the cows or the whatever protein that they have in there didn't eat like Roundup, like the glyphosate. Yeah. You know, and I think the glyphosate, which is Roundup, is probably the biggest issue um, that we have right now uh, in getting into the animals. That's where all the cancer comes from, I believe. Is that why you've done what you did and just went completely natural with everything? Yep. Even my yeah. water. My water. I, I don't drink any tap water. I, I, I don't, even my the toothpaste that I use, no fluoride. Um, and so like the, we use no tap water. It's, it's Mountain Valley. We get Mountain Valley water delivered to us. We get like, I don't know, 20 gallons a week or something like that. Uh, and that's all we drink in this house. Yeah, we have a well, so I don't have to worry about that, which is good. But, you know, one of the things Steve introduced a long time ago when he was like in his little keto phase was it got me doing mostly protein. Like almost all protein. I'm not quite like you do it, but almost all protein, especially up until the early evening. And and my energy level is just so sustained. Like, I mean, I'm 50 and I don't get tired, you know, and I can go and go and go and go and go. And I I need to do that, dude. I need to have a cow hacked up and cut into a, and done like that. That's a, that's a really cool way to do it because I do I do steaks pretty much daily. And yeah. I, same thing, is I, I find that's a, a great way to do it. When Adam was out here, our producer, uh, he was, um, I, I cooked him a steak every time he was here. Did he the, what do you just salt? I was there. That's all I use salt. You're like Dr. Peterson, man. Oh, that's right. He does the lion diet. Him and his, his daughter do that. Yeah, about that. But for mental health and physical reasons, I said she had a, a autoimmune <laughs> or something in it and it straightened it right out. And, and by the way, I think that's actually another reason why I actually had that panic attack back in February is because I was starting to detox a lot of stuff because it was, it was a lot. Plus, there was a lot of stuff going on. My dog had just passed away. Uh, we were, our house was on the market. We had, I think, just sold and we were about to move into our new house. There was just a lot of stuff. Then I had that an individual that approached me in river and tried to assault us. And like, it was all this stuff that happened all at once. But I think also the detox of getting, you know, getting all the, the stuff out of my body caused the panic attack as well. It happens. You can get a panic attack after a deep tissue massage because yeah. all those toxins out of your muscles and it gets in the bloodstream and stuff like that. That was another thing that we did. Uh, I mean, we're getting off topic here, but, uh, Ann and I, and our kids, we did a, a fascia, um, retreat and so we went to oklahoma there's a guy who works the fascia he kind of massages the fascia and they say that's where like all the the trauma and like the toxins are held within within the the fascia of the body and so we had like a it was um, a three-day retreat and we got two hours each day you know it was one hour we do hour in the morning he worked the whole family have a lunch he would go have lunch he would come back and worked out the fascia and it was a really cool experience what's that you said fascia like 30 times I'm like, what the fuck is fascia? So fascia is like the, the, the a tissue that holds everything. Like it's, you know, when you cut a steak, that little white thing that kind of, that's it, that kind of keeps everything together. That's the fascia. Um, kind of rent fascia, F-A-C. No, it's not fat. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, actually, I don't know what, what it was. It's, I don't even know what it is. It's not fat. It's fascia. Okay. But, uh, what, where is it just all over? Yeah. It's all over your body. It, it. It kind of holds all your muscles together. Okay. Have you done ayahuasca, Mark? I have never done ayahuasca. Honestly, I don't think I need it. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know if you do it. That's I how mean, you, you know. Yeah, I, I see like uh, Aubrey Marcus, you know, uh, who talks about doing it all the time. But at what point do you feel like you're okay? 
Well, see, that's the thing is I don't think anything needs to be done all the time. Just like you said, otherwise that becomes like we talked about. You get dependent. But yeah. I, I think um, I did it. And, I, you know, to your point, I think I'm pretty clear. You know, I think for the most part, I'm pretty open. I see myself relatively honestly. Uh, I do, you know, I've meditated for years and years. And so I've never, I feel like I'm pretty open. And I didn't have any big existential experience. You know, we did it. It was all shaman and, and everything. I think I've talked, we talked about it, who we did it with. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it was, um, it, for me, it wasn't too, too much. I'll tell you, mushrooms, that's different. I think mushrooms are, are an amazing experience. But again, I think that can be difficult for people that don't understand how to let their conscience, let it, let it go. I can really, really let it go. And it was, and for me, I, I get a lot out of it. I think, I think it's extremely therapeutic for, for your mind to be able to let it go into that state and that place. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I just have felt like, I mean, maybe at one point I thought maybe I do need to try it, but honestly, I'm in, I'm such in a good headspace right now. I'm so clear with things. And again, I, I really attribute that to how I eat now. Um, so I kind of just feel like I don't need it, but I will say, you know, we're always like trying to you know, be better. I used probably saw that we just did the ice bath Anna and I did an ice bath for the first time. There was 35 degrees. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. I was a little scared. I was, I was nervous. Um, or you got scared while you were. No, I got scared while getting preparing. Okay. That's things. anticipation. Yeah. But right when you get in, your breath goes away. That's that the... just means he's a pussy, man. <laughs> I was trying to be polite. You know, uh, I just, I just didn't know what to expect, honestly, you know? Uh, and right when I got in, I was like, <laughs> you know, I, my, I was... right there's the body. That's the, once you got in, that's your body in shock and that fear. <gasps> yeah. Focus on your, on your breathing so that everything calms down. And, uh, but yeah, the I did. adds to the experience. Okay? Well, that's yeah, the I... whole thing is it's dealing with that adrenaline hit. But, but I mean, being able to deal with that is where it all, the benefit comes from. Did, have you just done it the one time? Yeah, but we're actually going to buy a coat, man. And I are going to buy one. So the company that was, that was uh, hosting it called freedom plunge, a free plug for freedom plunge. You can find them on Instagram. So they, they basically make a freezer. It's a freezer that they get, but they, they customize it so that it has a temperature gauge. It's got a little, a little pump uh, to kind of cycle the water through. And it's way cheaper than, than most of the stuff that's out there, than the cold plungers out there. I think like a, the five-foot one is like, I want to say without a logo and stuff like that is 3500 right, uh, with the logo. He just bought a freezer today. Just yeah, go well, no, it's, it's not the same thing though because they actually will line it with an epoxy inside or some sort of like uh, paint on the inside because that's you can't have dollars worth. No, I understand, but there the, the comes the pump. It comes with the, the the sensor. It comes with like you can also get a barrel and fill it with ice. There's a guy that out here that kick ass business on a trailer. He has a sauna and he has a giant one of the wooden barrels and you and he'll come to you. It's it, and he'll do the ice bath and the sauna together and he went out to wherever it is norway or finland and studied you know in the wim hof academy out there um i'm, I'm thinking about getting one as well uh the guy that, i just had a student here that does it all the time and he said when he's feeling super charged he'll do it for like eight minutes and the way he explained it was you know this he was a really cool guy and you could see his head was completely on straight and he just said it made him feel like a super uh, superhero when he did it yeah when um uh, what, but also if you, you, I mean, you listen to, um, oh my God, why did I forget his name? The podcast that we always listen to the ophthalmologist guy. Help me out, Todd. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my the God. Dude, the guy, the speaker, 
the host, Andrew Huberman. Thank you. God. He talks yeah. about like the, the, you know, the, the ice bath, but he says, you know, two minutes is all you really need. He's like the studies show that two or you do eight minutes, two minutes is all you really need. He said there's something about the way he goes underwater too. He always has such cool primal explanations for why. And he explains something why he goes underwater at the beginning and what it does to, to the process. By the way, there's a, a documentary that I watch. It's called Choke. It's a documentary of Hicks and Gracie, who was the son of Elio Gracie, who was kind of one of the founders of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, uh, you know, everyone knows about Hoist Gracie from the UFC, but uh, Hicks and Gracie was like the, the prized family champion. And so he would go to uh, Japan and fight. And so this documentary is about this, this one fight that he did in, in Japan, like in 1994, I believe. And so this is 1994. This is before cold plunging became popular and things like that. He was already doing it back then. Right. And so he went to the mountains of Japan and that's where he's going in train where he was training. And he's, there's this, this river and it's completely like snow everywhere. And he goes in, he has a snorkel and he goes in, and he just starts to breathe. And he talks about how, when you go underwater that you feel like you're going to die. Right. He's like, you just feel like you're going to die, but then you, you, you don't, you're not afraid to die. So when I'm, I'm going into these fights, these are no rules fights fighting that he would go into in Japan. And so he was like, I'm not afraid to die. I have, I can, I'm able to calm down in the most extreme situations. And so that's why he would do it, you know? And so this, this documentary is really fascinating because all the stuff that he talks about that he does, like this is things that are people that are now normalized today or more popularized today. Dude, you want to know one of the funniest like sages that was ahead of their time is uh, Kramer on Seinfeld. Dude, he's, he talks about taking cold showers. Yeah. He's like, like he's always into these certain health trends. And I think he was a martial, uh, martial artist too. Um, in the show, he just he got into a karate class with a bunch of eight-year-olds. No, but in, in real life, he was. I believe I believe he had a, a martial arts background. But I, I was I always like, do some, like, training dogs through Seinfeld because there's so many little like one-liners that are so – like, you know, you got to get the upper hand. The episode mm. where George gets the hand, I've got hand. <laughs> training dogs. We're through. showing her age. Oh, big time. I love Seinfeld. I still watch Seinfeld. That's been the best part about Netflix. Seinfeld. So, uh, wow, we got really off topic. Um, how do we get back to the dogs? Well, it's, and we got off topic, <laughs> but it's, it's about the things that make you better. We're always talking about the things that make you better. So people are like, well, what can you do? You know, how does I get my dog to stop doing this? Well, take a fucking cold bath once in a while. You'd be amazed. Like, you know what I mean? Go sign up for a martial arts class. Eat better. These are the points that we're making is that the dogs are easy, but you got to make sure that you're on point a lot through all kinds of crap through ups and downs and if you do that it's so much easier and if you don't and you have a panic attack here and a panic attack there dude one of the gnarliest cases i ever had this is talking about panic attacks so long long time ago i get called for this extreme aggression case and i get there and i go in the house and the dog completely accepts me in i go in the dog is beautiful you know i'm here for this extreme aggression and you never get the cases where they let you in you know, where it's just like this. And the dog's really nice and relaxed. And the girl starts talking to me and she has uh, severe social anxiety. So essentially, as soon as she steps outside, she goes into a panic attack, like constantly. So she's in an ongoing panic attack when she's outside. So we had to see it. And she leashes the dog up and we take the dog outside. And I'm not kidding you, dude. This dog wanted to attack anything. If a leaf flew by, if it was a bike, a ball, a kid, if it had something, this dog wanted to attack. 
And I had a lady that does energy work and she worked with this girl for like 10 minutes to finally get her to relax. And that was the only time in like this entire spell that the dog was able to have any moment of relaxation outside. Was it Kelly, 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 Howell, whatever the, the meditation energy lady. Um, she's like that. Yeah. She was, she's one of the first people that introduced me to how she, we were working on meditation one time. I was at her house. I was deep in a meditation. Her dog started barking and I've talked about how much I don't like barking. And as soon as that happened, I started coughing and she was like, Oh yeah, you have to get rid of it because it bothers you. Your body's purging it. And I'm like, Mm. Oh shit. And it turns you into like how many of these little things are happening all the time with life. Right. And that was, that was kind of it. And I've, I've seen this lady, we went, did a dog event and she hypnotized four or five people. Now I faked hypnotized. I've been on stage before and faked a hypnotism, like at a, one of these events, like a comedian does it. And I faked it cause I had to pee. So I know people can do that shit, but she had these people hypnotized. And this lady had a dog that was obsessively barking. And as soon as she got this lady to go under the dog stopped dog was quiet the whole time the lady was under and then when she brings the lady back of course i watched it i saw this happen with my own two dogs and that was the stuff that like you don't you don't necessarily know is real and what that's what you're talking about is you got to learn that those are the things that really make it work and you got to clean your body of pesticides you got to clean your body of shitty energy and shitty things otherwise it's going to catch up to you and i mean for a lot of people that's why their dogs are in such bad shape because they are and so I think it's super relevant. Uh, you're either mirroring the dog or the dog is mirroring you. Right? I mean, that's what, that's what happens a lot. I think people underestimate all of that. Their hormones, you know, all of that stuff. You know, we, I have super high testosterone. That has to matter. You know, those type of things have to come into play. So your health is everything. And I don't think that's talked about enough. I don't think unhealthy, out of shape people understand your dog's not going to follow you. You're unstable. You're unbalanced. Your mind and body aren't together. You know what I mean? You're not athletic. And it matters. It does. It matters quite a bit. And I think that uh, that's the discipline part of exercise discipline affection that you were uh, talking about earlier from Caesar. And uh, discipline to me is the, is the most underutilized, most uh, misunderstood form of exercise that anyone could use. And that's the learning of, in this case, how to remove the toxins from your body, how to bring your health up to a level through nutrition, bring your mind up to a level through exercise. But it's the discipline that that is the missed part that people don't fully understand. And uh, yeah. People have gotten afraid of difficult things. I mean, there's a whole training method now, fear-free, that basically says if there's any fear, remove the dog, remove what's causing the fear. And it's like, how, how does that make that sense? Way. That just makes no sense to me because like even That's in our okay. own life, you know, like there's going to be things that we go through. Like if we don't know how to handle difficult situations, we're just going to crumble. And that is honestly what I feel this world is coming to, just like a really weak world right now. Well, we've rounded all the corners and we've chosen to follow the backs, right? So basically when you start to follow feelings, you're following the back of the pack because the front of the pack knows that there's going to be hard things and it accepts it. The back of the pack knows there's going to be hard things and it wants to get away from it and get around it. And those are the, that's the leadership now. That's the style that the parenting style, the leadership style is 
round the edges, move away from difficulty. And the only way to get stable is to, like you said, Art, you got to move through difficulty to learn how and know you can. And the confidence or the discipline that, that you're talking about, Lynn, that's how it's done. You use discipline and go, all right, this is going to suck, but I have to do it. And then it sucks less. I mean, that's what do you think getting in a cold tub is all about? That's the greatest epitome of fucking suck. The only reason I haven't done cold showers is I'm absolutely in love with showers. And I don't want to ruin them. <laughs> I can do a cold bath. And that's the whole thing is there's so much pussy out there. And that's, that's, a, that's a huge problem, Martin. Like you said, it's definitely bringing things down because we're too afraid to face difficult things, difficult feelings, difficult situations, difficult things. Well, there's that saying, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good yeah. times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Beautiful and true. You know? and, and there's – here's the thing also like uh, do I, when I'm working with a dog and I, I can see they're having a hard time, like the dog is having a hard time with something, right? And so when, I'm, when, I, when I talk to the, the clients, I'm like, look, I, I can see he's having a really difficult time. Just give me five to ten minutes to work through this. I want to trade five to 10 minutes of this time as opposed to the rest of his life. And people without a doubt, I mean, if, if you're a nervous, anxious person and someone said, you know, if I, if you just give me 10 minutes of your time right now, and it's going to, it may suck a little bit, but if the trade-off is that you would have a lifetime of freedom, who wouldn't take that, take you up on that offer, you know? And so people are so concerned about how the dog is at that moment. And that's, that's the big issue is that they look at the dog and say, that dog is nervous right now. Yes, it is, but I'm going to help guide it out. Or it's, you know, whatever the behavior is. Do you, think, do you think they're nervous or do you think it's that they can't handle the way it makes them feel? So it's not even that they're really worried about the dog. They're worried about their feelings. And since it makes them feel bad, they have to stop it. So they don't have that ability to separate, hey, this is my feeling that I'm really focused on. I'm, you know, I'm. This is me that we're talking about. I'm saying it's about the dog, but it's me. Yeah, so I, I'll tell you how I, how I address that because what I don't want is I don't want to not give them like a, a heads up, so to speak, right? Yeah. So as I, if I'm working with something, I'm like, hey, uh, here's, here's what could happen. I hope it doesn't get to this point, but here's the worst case scenario. So I'm already priming them already in their head, right? So, that, so they're already prepared. So they've already kind of experienced it. And, and then I'll say, are you, are you okay with that? Like, are you okay with, like, your dog is nervous, doesn't want to come out of the crate, doesn't want to come out of the bushes or whatever it was, which I've worked with some of those dogs. I said, I'm just going to, I'm going to get a leash on the dog and the dog's going to kind of struggle a little bit, but just do you, I want you to know that you can trust me through this. I'm going to help guide the dog. And they're like, oh yeah, we, we're okay with it. You know, like we're okay. And the fact that when you put a leash on the dog and it kind of just goes into a little bit of fight or even a flight, but you limit that flight and then they, they move forward. And then, then they're like, oh, the dog realized that wasn't so bad. Then they take another step and then they do it on their own. You know, Lynn has this thing called a behavior expectation drill. We'll kind of do that drill over and over and over so that, you know, his rule number nine is when something new and different, everything is new and different, right? And so, you know, we're just trying to take the dog to make that new and different normal to make, make it normal. And so I always prime everyone ahead of time. Like, hey, this is, this is what could happen, you know? That's yeah. smart. We, I was working with some, a trainer group. It's a trainer franchise company. And they were um, asking questions about, Clients were getting mad at them because things were happening and, and they had to handle it or deal with it. And then the clients were upset. And to your point, that's what we talked about. I go, well, sometimes you got to let them know. Sometimes you got to set them up. Sometimes you have to tell them what's about to happen. You got to prepare them. You got to always do that. 
But I also want to make clear because Lynn and I have, have seen this in, uh, in videos because as a particular video I'm thinking of, I'm pretty sure he'll know what video I'm thinking of, where someone um, said, oh, the dog has to go through it while the dog is really, really struggling. Like there's a, there's a, there's a fine line about like really shutting them down as, a, you know, and, and just kind of guiding them over the tipping point. You know what I mean? So again, I, I'm lucky for me, like I've, I, you know, we're working with Lynn a lot. Like I understand like Goldilocks and all these things where people don't see that because, uh, you know, when I go into people's houses and they tell me like what other trainers have done, I'm like, ah, that's a little, that's a little much. So I know why people think yeah. that it's much, you know? So, you know, when Lynn talks about Goldilocks, which is, you know, Goldilocks rule uh, is, is what you go explain Goldilocks, Lynn. I don't want to take your words. Goldilocks do. And her whole goal in life is to find balance where everything is just right. And so the porridge is hot. You don't, you don't dunk the head into the porridge when it's hot, you test it. It's hot. You go over and you test the next one. You didn't dump the head in there either. It's cold. And then you find the one that's just right. It's people that are saying they got to go through this. Yeah. The dog does need to go through it, but sometimes these people are misinterpreting and misunderstanding the individual dog that they're putting in what it has to go through. So they don't understand. Uh, it's like having your chicken cooked all the way through versus your steak cooked medium rare. And they're putting a, uh, a chicken into something that's going to be medium rare or well, that's a stupid analogy, but there's overwhelming uh, dogs that shouldn't, they were overwhelmed before they even walked into that spot. So that's where their Goldilocks was, but they're taking them all the way into the deep end and they don't know what they're doing and i think in that case that person was drunk in the first place and and it was just ridiculous and it happens a lot and that's the problem with like you said last time first three years we correct everything well the first three years that's not the only thing that happens for a lot of people they're doing stuff like that no he's got to go he's going to learn how to swim i swear no no holding him underwater we'll teach him how to oh he's not he's not moving anymore Okay, so that's the extreme that people are taking this stuff to. And it's ridiculous. You just, here's the idea, is go until the dog resists. Wait, mm -hmm. go a little bit more, it resists. I don't care if you went two inches further, you went further. You wait at a minimum. Don't make them go through something. You limit them from getting away from going through something. That's a massive difference. Do you ever, or do you still use the um, anything taken with force must be maintained by force? Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Everything you know, about, taken by force. Uh, Andrew, you talk about anxiety in a really interesting way, and he talks about right here what we're talking about. So, you know, what you're explaining, Lynn, is this: you know, the dog wants to move away, right? So the dog wants to move away, and our goal is to say, look, we get that you don't want to go this way. I understand that we're not going to force you this way, but we're not going to let you go this way. So somewhere in between is you're going to relax and then decide that the only way to really go is this way. You chose it. You decided. Awesome. We made you, you know, we, we helped you make the best choice. Now, Andrew Humerman talks about this moment in time in humans even. So I know it's the same thing. It's like, it's an anxiety is if when you want to go this way, you do, the anxiety gets trapped. The brain locks it in place. So whatever it was that you were trying to move away from permanently becomes an anxious trigger. And that's why the, if the people could understand that, look, I get it. 
This may be this little moment in time that you see, oh, my dog is sad, but by letting it go this way, you're making it, like you said in art, a forever thing. Nah. Forever. Yeah. Versus right now, we're going to spend some time right now. We're going to work through the feeling, the time, all of it, so that when he goes this way, and then he goes this way again, and he goes this way, now we're done with it. Let's just move on to the next thing. And that was what I was talking about with that dog that had whatever, 31 issues. You know, the dogs well, go one way or the other. Well, what you what you described right there is like the on paper version of what we're talking about. But these people said, I'm not allowed to let them go backwards. So they're going to fight and go this way. But they're right. not looking at, okay, so Todd talked about, we don't want them to go back. We want them to go forward. It'll be your choice. We won't let you go back. That's like the macro 50,000 foot view. But when you get right there, when they want to go back, if at that moment, their intensity, their intention is to go back so extreme that, and when they're not allowed, that they're going to go into this crocodile roll and this whole big fight and this thing, fuck that, we're going back. Mm -hmm. We're going back until you peter out. We're not ending it. And we're gonna go back up to familiar territory where we were, and now we'll go forward. To tell people, and believe me, I've done this, and people do, they, they do this. Now they need to understand the deeper part is if they're going back, as an example, because that's all we have view for, they want to go back, I will let them go back at a difficult pace, right? But we're going, we're going where you want to go, back and out, and during that that part, I'm not letting them escape. I'm letting them kind of pull me, pull me, pull me, pull me that way. And then when we get to where they peter out, I let them take a moment. That was good. You got to express yourself. You feel better? Cool. Now let's go back over here and try it again. So what you're saying is right, but it leaves out all of the understanding it gives these people that don't have an ability to, to understand what we're talking about no other choice they can't you're not allowed to let the dog go back and that's basically what that person that video was doing he's got to go through it he can't go back Fuck that that dog needs to get out and you need to start your point where you're saying it's got to go through all this down here and away so the point that people are saying they can't go back they've gone too far into it instead of saying you can't go back at the edges and then work your way in. So maybe day two, three for some of these people, they might be in that threshold area where they were fighting before. And it's easy to get there. Does that make sense? I, I mean, that's why I, I, I can't just give little bits and pieces of information anymore because people just take it and run. He said, oh, okay, that's just, it doesn't work for me. But that there goes against what you just said by me allowing him to go back. But it's in how and why how far, how long, and who's really guiding this backward thing that, that makes it uh, more of an art and a, a clear communication. But it does sound like I'm saying you're wrong, but it's you're not wrong. You wouldn't have to go back so far if you started looking at where they resisted first, which may be way ahead of where they take them to that deep end. Does that make sense, Todd? Of course. You're absolutely correct. But people are, they just hear black and white and they don't see all of the different 
ways to to really get that to happen. Well, that's like, why that's we talk about intensity. Say again. There, that's why intensity has to come up. There is no single strategy. I mean, everything intensity has to be taken into account. I mean, are you dealing with and dog? sensitivity? I got a thing for you. Intensity is all it is. Just intensity, matching intensity. But because we're human and we don't understand things, you have to have another word like sensitivity. So you have to match intensity or sensitivity. But if I'm matching the intensity up here and it comes down and I, I'm matching it now, well, guess what? It's not as intense. It's now sensitive. But the difference really is this dog is behaving in an intense way and people go, I got to match the intensity. But when you really look at the animal in it, it's being very sensitive. And so they're being intense with the dog and the chainsaw under the mouth when it's really just matching sensitivity. And then there's no biting whatsoever. So how do you get people to learn that stuff or even have the want desire to look at things are so much deeper than, than black and white. I, I just can't, in my brain, I can't, I can't do the, I mean, I used to do that, Todd. You can't let them go back, but I'm not letting them go, go back. I'm allowing them to take me where they see. Let's forward. say you're talking, you're talking about a hundred dogs and you're trying to describe to a hundred owners at one time about avoidance. Of, of that, the generality is, is in that description, you're more or less right. So it, it, I get what you're saying, but this is where if, you, if we're choosing to, to get in a platform and give advice, we have to find a way in which it can make sense, but we can also make people aware of however you want to say it, the nuance, the intensity, the sensitivity, all at the same time. Um, it's... Uh, so this is this is where the responsibility of an educator. You know, I mean, it also it's, it's what can you put your head on your pillow at night with? I guess. So if, yeah. if it's hard, if it feels like it, it if it feels like a certain explanation isn't enough, then I get that. I understand that. But I I believe everything we say is misunderstood on some level. Everything. Really? It doesn't matter how finite we describe it. It's going to be misunderstood. Um, well, even taking avoidance, which is, I see so many variations of avoidance and this, the story we were just describing, that's not even avoidance at that point. That's ex escape at a very minimum flight if he didn't have a leash on, but that's not avoidance. Avoidance is, you know, yielding sometimes, detouring another time, dodging and weaving. That's, that's not necessarily the intense point. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're you're into flight, flight triggering, fight, and yeah. The whole and if it isn't the animal doing that, the, it's more of an evasion in the dog. That just like any police chase, when it gets down to the narrowed areas, there's a little bit of physical contact to continue to escape, which now becomes a form of evasion. So some dogs will bite just simply to get away. They're not trying to be aggressive. They just feel attacked themselves. And so they're biting so that they can get away. And it's called aggression. And when it's not aggression at all. So I yeah. like in a rock and hard place, man, I can't, I can't say anything anymore. I was on that uh, podcast yesterday and half the stuff coming out of my mouth. I was like, 
I get this. This is an entertainment show, but I, I, I don't want to say just that one answer because there's, uh, so it really fucked me up. I couldn't speak half the time, you know? What? I don't believe it. You couldn't speak? Seriously. You want to watch, uh, <laughs> aside from the fact that I think I'm getting some sort of Alzheimer's uh, stages, the early stages of that, that, that's what made me think it yesterday because I was on uh, Jim Jeffries' podcast. It's called I Don't Know About That. It's a pretty fun podcast, the way they set it up. It's a fun structure. He's got to guess who the guest is and what their specialty is. And then he answers questions, and then we rate him, and then we get the real answers and the real everything. But they asked me basic questions like what's a body body language of a, uh, uh, a an aggressive type dog and and I look like I'm stumbling right now trying to come and man I can't wait to watch it because I'll I like to learn from my mistakes and people are gonna think I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about uh, in my opinion when I look at when I I think about it so I'm, I'm gonna have to watch that but I just get trumped up over because I don't want to say something that everybody takes and runs with it when I know that this something opens up into a whole bunch of other things that dictate whether that's going to happen and how that's going to happen. It's 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 caused me so much problem that I just I don't even know what to do. I don't I don't I don't know what to do. Poor weed, dude. Uh, it's too much responsibility. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's a, lot, it's a lot of it's a lot of burden to bear, and I mean, so one of the things that Art and I think you can attest to this, and Lynn, you can as well. But for some reason, I think we get this more at TCW than I ever seem to get it on a, when I'm personally teaching trainers. You know, like when they come to me, is that whole people uh, they go through the the stages, like the 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 stages of training. We've we've talked about this a lot, and. And, and the, the hardest phase, there's, there's really difficult phases and people take this really personally. They take it super fucking personally. Like, like the client's success or lack of success goes to bed with the trainer. And I mean, we get this to where it, it, it's life altering for people. And I mean, it shortens careers and, and, it, and it changes the way you have a career. It takes away some of, some of this. And I don't know the answer to how to, to be able to you know, satisfy from your point of view, Lynn, I understand where you're coming from. And, and I think this is one of the reasons that so many of us will go to you to learn is because of the amount of detail to something that might seem irrelevant that can come. Like, I, you know, I talked today about, you know, the cold, how cold can affect you. I think that probably came from you. And, it, and it's like how these, all these little things can come into play. So I can see why a question like, what does an aggressive stance look like? You know, I can see why that would be difficult because to you, your mind starts flashing 50 of them and all the, all the different variables and, and what like might be misinterpreted. And yeah. so I, what the answer to worrying about me and misinterpreted is the, what we talk about, it's accepting that it just happens and not being able to change it. And that's the thing is if you explain something as clearly as you can for the situation and the time you're given, that's what you got. And, you know, this is where if you can accept that, that's the difference between how it feels and how it doesn't. It's not that you said it differently. It's that you accept what you said versus being challenged by what you said. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a rock and roll place uh, for me. What would you have said, Art? How would you have described aggression? The body well, I think that was the exact thing. I think it was just a poor body language they were asking about uh, or aggressive body language, one of the two. And then they asked the submissive and the fearful and all that. And I'm like, why can't, why can't I throw up at answers? I can talk 
all fucking day about this shit and I can't put two words together. Um, I was going to say something about what you were saying uh, there. And I think it, you were mentioning about how the trainers take it personally about the success of the owners. I've never taken it personally about the success of the owners. That's their thing. But I, I do take it personally that people take the information and don't put it together, practice it right. And then they, then it hurts dogs. That's my only concern. And when I see it duplicated and the possibility of thousands and thousands of thousands of people from one post or one action and they, they're left with their own interpretation. Oh my God. That's, that's just like a mass, <laughs> uh, bomb mass destruction, you know? I'm the least inclined to teach a correction. So I know what you're saying. I am the least inclined to teach something along those lines because of, to your point, what I envision it being interpreted as. It's, it's the reason that I, I love and dislike the e-collar the most because it is the single most misinterpreted, misused, misapplied tool that makes things both easy, convenient, hard, confusing for the owners, for the dog. I fucking love and hate that tool. I love it for us. I hate it for the dog. I hate it for the, the I should say, I hate it for the, the owners that are using it on the dogs that don't have the right education. And it takes a lot to know that. That comes from the trainers. I, I, that's where I'm the mo I don't like that. That's an easy. Yeah, I don't teach it. Yet. You were the only first and only course I taught with the e-collar. After that, I, I don't teach that. I don't teach I don't teach the foot. I don't teach anything like that. But it's not just the corrections. We're talking about he's got to go through it. They think they're doing the right thing. And that's not a correction. It's actually a torture, what we saw. Yeah. But it's not a correction. It's under the guise of rehabilitating and guidance. And that does come from, you know, it, we, we can't be accountable for what trainers or clients do. But I think that especially as teachers, we have a shared responsibility uh, and that in itself, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've, I, I was very, very outspoken with everything in the very, very beginning. And I was like, given everything here, boom, 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 boom. And all I saw after that, that was the, the ripple effect from giving away techniques and, and things people shouldn't have seen at the time because of the situation, the facility that I was in, they weren't ready for that level of intensity of dogs. And here I am doing it. And uh, don't get me wrong, I, there's some amazing, like you guys, Todd, you, that's Christine, Carl, there's so many amazing people that came out of that program, but it just takes one that uh, goes out and does something and then now they're an influence over thousands that then become influence over thousands that again, then become influence over thousands. So it gets we really watered. Brutal. It's fucking brutal. Somebody goes through five day program and goes and teaches a workshop. It's brutal. Don't do it. It just, it goes from this little point out. And that person was saying, he's got to go through it. Do you know how many people on a daily basis are doing that? I haven't, hold on a second. I haven't seen the video. So is this a dog that's, that's in full, like uh, starts his avoidance, goes into flight and then just becomes basically a, a, like you guys are talking about the, the floppy fish on the, 
we didn't even get to see the real early avoidance or signals like that's too much for me because okay. they start recording and they're already in a shark pit. Yeah. And uh, dogs barking all over the place, going crazy. It's like the people who go into uh, rest or shelters <clears throat> and try and hold a, a course in there and make a dog do some things that they shouldn't be doing with all the other dogs barking at. It's too much. Take them outside and then work. You know, don't force them to do something. All of those dogs have been trapped for days, weeks, certainly hours upon hours upon hours. They got nothing else to do but scream and yell about anybody who walked by. Uh, to try and get a dog to follow you from the, that point all the way through that mess and outside is unrealistic. And it just causes so much stress and problems for the other dogs. And everybody watching you teach or that person teaching now thinks that's what they're supposed to do. Got and to this so Dude, this was dangerous. I had a lady in a shelter one time try to do some techniques with a dog that had been in a shelter for a long, this is in France, and she started to try to correct it, and I had to be like, no, 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 go, let it pull you out, 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 because it could have blown up so bad on her. It's dangerous. Yeah. Let me first, and I will, I'm apologizing right now. I know that the goal is not to be focused on such a deep level that I see uh, with people teaching and not knowing what they're doing, all that. I do apologize for taking us down that, but I think it was brought up. And I just, it, it is something, honestly, if we want to talk about this part, I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I, I can't say anything or I say too much. I, I don't know what to do anymore because I can't see where anybody's on the same page in the same thing. And it's, it's really caused me a great deal of just hiding, shut down. I don't, I, I can't, I don't feel like I could do right by the dog, uh, the, the future dogs. That's what I see. When I look at a video, I'm not looking at what they're doing. I'm looking at everything that's going to happen down the line and all the different possibilities. And I don't know how to get out of that. I, this, ability to see things, do things is now kind of a curse. And so I, I just don't know. I mean, honestly, look at me. I'm, I'm actually at my most vulnerable right now. I don't know what to do because I, I, oh, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, let's say you could make, okay, let's say you could wave a magic wand, right? And, and make everything the way that you would want it to be. What does that look like? So how, how do you, how do you, stay at peace with what they're doing what is it that you what is it that you would want to say say it's very difficult because there's so many different uh philosophies and and ways to go about working with dogs that you're never it's a dogma it's the literally religion so you can't really get everybody online which is and I don't talk about the pressure matrix, but that's one of the reasons why I created that because it doesn't matter what uh, way you work with dogs. The pressure matrix doesn't lie. It just says, this is what is being experienced. This is what is missing. And this is who is involved, all of that. And so it is something I could use the pressure matrix in agility, uh, any of any of anything. It's all right there. So it, Nobody has to say, well, it's because of his methods. No, no, it's that dog perceived this and you produced that. And this is the result. It has nothing to do with 
whether it's positive only or balanced or dog psychology, it is the outcome. And so when these things pop up, these are now spots that you, if you're driving the, the vehicle of life or whatever, you are now responsible for learning this to improve this thing, this result that, that happened because of a lack of this or that. I'm being very general here, but it is really more of, you can know every single thing, at least what's missing. I know this is missing, that's missing. So if I dive into this, well, oh my God, it's like a whole education. I don't have time to learn that. Well, okay, well, I'll skip it. I'll go over here, I'll learn this. Oh my God, that's a whole, I'll skip it, skip it. So then the bridge collapsed for lack of a good structure. And so, yeah, I, if I had my way, well, I do have my way with my, my stuff and I'm not teaching any physical techniques, any, anything until to anybody that hasn't gone through my awareness program first, where all of the same information is available from A to Z. Everything has a working definition. It's like learning how to play Monopoly. You've got, you understand every little bit. You understand that? I'll teach you every single physical thing I can do with a dog that will enhance everything that, that you want to do. I will do that from now on because I can, I guess, but it's not going to be the world. It's only going to be 10 or 15 at a time. And, uh, just to be able to create the next 90 day, which is all about the body mechanics. So, um, I, do you think you've impacted the training world in a positive or negative way? That's a great question. <laughs> well, I look at everything negatively first, not because I want to, it's just because it was what comes up. And I believed that I would, I, I wholeheartedly believe that I started this whole thing, uh, the whole shadow program, because I wanted to create an elite unit of people that knew how to handle and work with dogs that could go out and spread that and make it better. The only thing is it went the other way, right? I created great people, but a few of them were not great. And they went out and had better access to people because it was more important to them for that social thing. And now they're working with all brand new people. That's who they work with. So nobody knows anything except for, oh, we should go there because everybody goes there. And if it's I not that one person, would it make it different? If I could go, would it different? that if I, I took that person on specifically, I can't really go into detail, but I took that person on specifically to study more, uh, I just had to be very careful with my words, behavior, you know, and, and, uh, it wasn't for any, cause you had to audition to get into my thing. And if I didn't see potential or something I could study in order to be better off to teach other people. Uh, then you didn't get in and that person got in strictly so I could study and I'm getting my consequences or I got my consequences right away, but I did not believe they were going to last forever and get worse. And in that moment, it's, yeah, I think that I've had a negative impact ultimately, uh, when you look at what's happening on that side, on the other side. I think I've had a, a great impact and could have a better in, impact if people knew uh, about me, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to be, you know, super social uh, status guy, but the more people that know, the more people that can come, the more people that can come, the more that can learn. But otherwise, it's just going to keep building up on that other way.
because now that person, like I said, has developed other students and those students are developing other students and on and on and on. And it never, it never ends. It's, it's a, it's like a Petri dish is how I describe that. Person. Well, I will say Lynn, um, that I'm really thankful for you and I'm sure, you know, Todd may have some of that, maybe not as much as me. I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, there's, there is positive in some people that you have, have impacted me, my wife, uh, you've helped that and quite a bit with some dogs. You've helped me quite a bit. Um, now I see the rules everywhere. I see pressures. Of course, I'm not as good as, as you are, but uh, just today I was, I was leashing up the dogs and I was, um, I was taking four dogs and I have three dogs that I take out specifically together and I was get, taking my dogs on the walk and something that I could hear one of the dogs like kind of barking. And I was like, if that's social pressure, I'm about to leave, you know? And so I, I remember saying that I was like, Oh, I got that from Lynn, you know? Well, you know, I'm not saying that I don't, I, I, I know that I've had a good impact and thank you for that. And I love you guys, but <laughs> I'm talking about the, the stuff I see and I, I, it's not that I'm going out looking for it. I can just see it and where it came from and where it's going. And that part there I think is negative, but I don't want to harp on that. Any, I've, I've done really well. And you've watched me over the few years, Art. Uh, I've changed a lot of things. It's just now it's at a, I don't want to say neutral, but it's at a, a standstill. I've done so much changing. Don't even know who to be anymore that uh, it's, it's just difficult to, to look at the, it's like a swimming upstream with some of these people. You, you tell them, they say semantics, this, I'm like, well, semantics are important. It, it, you got to learn the semantics of anything you're going to do before you change it. You can't just say, Oh, the semantics without having any knowledge and all your knowledge is somebody else's semantics. It's insane. But again, there's no laws that's good and bad for us. There's no laws that make us do anything uh, with dogs. We can do whatever we want, which is a good thing. I wouldn't have created all any of the stuff. Guys, I don't know if you guys do this, but this is, I think, our 10th or 11th episode, how we made it this far. I have no idea, but here we are. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for joining us and thank you guys for listening out there. Thank you for subscribing. If you're not subscribing, please go and like, and subscribe on Instagram on actually not Instagram on YouTube and on where else are we on Spotify and okay. Apple and leave some comments. We really enjoy seeing some of the comments you guys are leaving. So if you guys are at some point, we'll get a, uh, an email or, so, or something so that everybody can send their questions in, uh, yeah for the podcast yeah we can we'll do it on youtube like hey by the way we should also do a youtube live one do one live well yeah guys put some questions in whatever comments on our social media so we can get some ideas things that you want to hear about if you have any questions drop leave them in the comments that's what todd would say <laughs> good luck all right